When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about <laughs> you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Milner levering one and it's rich. Milner Vida! Anfield, the place where miracles regularly happen, especially on a midweek night with the lights on. Now at a League Cup comeback to seal a place in the semi-finals of the competition. And at the heart of that, some excellent performances, whether it be the Ox, Nico Williams, Quavin Kelleher, they were providing the heroics. So it's Arsenal that awaits in the last four. I'm Steve Hobbersall, joining me on the Red Agenda, Kiever O'Neill and David Anderson to discuss an absolutely ridiculous affair. Kiever, what is it about Liverpool under the lights? I mean, we, we talk about the club being special and Jürgen said it after the game. But time and time again, we see the, these heroic stories written out. The League Cup has never felt so European, has it? Um, <laughs> it was amazing last night. It sort of just turned in that second half. The first half was pretty woeful from Liverpool. Oxlade-Chamberlain just about keeping them in it with his goal, which was actually really well worked. Costas Simakas with probably the best touch of the game to flick it over Yuri Tillemans' head in the build-up to that. And then a nice ball across from Nico. Firmino holding it up nicely and then obviously Oxlade-Chamberlain finishing it. That was Liverpool's highlight of the first half. And then obviously the second half things just, you know, Klopp made those changes and that really paid dividends, I think, for Liverpool. It just strengthened them up a little bit and and then suddenly the cop thought it was a Champions League semi-final, never mind the League Cup quarter-final. And yeah, it was a, a brilliant night in the end and I mean, I had a hat on and a hood and I could hardly hear you, you know, when you've got everything sort of over you. And I was like, this is absolutely deafening. Like, am I getting too old? And I'm like, I might need earplugs here. I can't think of what I'm meant to be doing on, you know, tweeting and that. But yeah, it was just the emotion was all there. And I think the night we all sort of needed after what's been, you know, a, a mad couple of weeks. It's Christmas. It's just nice to sort of, you know, go into that with a victory like that. And then... In the way it happened, obviously, last-minute goals are the best anyway, but, you know, when they, they take you into straight into penalties, it was just, it felt like a bizarre but brilliant night. And it's hard to believe that actually anyone, David, had faith in Liverpool at half-time. Such was the way things were going, but I think Kiva nailed it there. The actual involvement of the crowd was ridiculous in the second half. Well, it was, and it was great that Liverpool were attacking the cop in in, this, in the second half. Of course, Jota getting that goal after sixty eight to bring it back to three two. Then you could just there was a real momentum shift, and suddenly Leicester had sort of been playing with a bit of a swagger and thought this could be our night. We have a famous one at Anfield. They were 
they were getting nervous and Vardy was then got an injury he wasn't running as much he wasn't the out ball for them and um that whole psychology of being a visiting team playing at Anfield when you're trying to hang on to something, trying to avoid defeat, and it, it almost feels like death and taxes. It's inevitable, really, that Liverpool will score, and you could sort of sense that was sort of less they thought though they're trying to hang on to what they've got. The crowd roared Liverpool on. They can sense that there's an opportunity here, and of course, it's we've spoken about this before. It's about this chemistry between the players and, and the crowd, and they, they just suck extra energy for them. You know, if they maybe are feeling a little bit tired, if they are maybe feeling the effects of all these games in such a short space of time, then that crowd, that noise, just gives you that little bit more to keep going, really. And I, I think you're right, the key was sort of at half-time and sort of, it's a difficult one, this, because like Liverpool's fixtures are absolutely bonkers. The amount of games they're trying to play in this short space of time, and you can, you know Jürgen does not really like the League Cup. It's a bit of an irritation, and he looked at this game and he thought, right, okay, it's almost right. Let, let's pick a team for Leeds, and then whoever's left, that's the team they'll pick from for, for sort of Leicester. And he, and he tried to sort of do his usual trick of sort of the mixture of the young players, the fringe players, maybe one or two senior ones like like Henderson, who, who needed minutes after being ill. But you could see at halftime he had sort of like underclubbed it, as it were. You know, there were there were maybe maybe one or two too many rookies with sort of Connor Bradley and Billy Cometio and stuff. And he sort of made those changes. And you know, again, that's good management because he himself says, "Well, that was my fault because I'd picked a team and I'd maybe got that one wrong." But he was able to change it and get on the likes of Jota, and he brought on Kaita. You know, and and you could see then that that sort of change. And like you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about the performances, but like Jota, what what a performance he put in and just helped turn the game really. And, it just then all built up, and I suppose when Liverpool lose, you sort of think, well, well, I suppose the League Cup will avoid that two-legged semi-final in January, which is never a good thing. But it's always to see when, when, when Liverpool win these sorts of things, then that sort of joy that the fans feel. You can understand it, really, because it is a big deal. It's a semi-final. Liverpool are built to win trophies, and here they are now in with a chance of another one. Well, it, it's interesting about what, what the appeal is of the competition. Liverpool have got a rich history in it, Kiva. Um, there's no financial rewards. Well, I think you get £100,000 as a club if you win the competition. If you win one Champions League game, you get £2 million. So let's face it, there's, there's no cash in it. So as far as the owners are concerned, they're not interested, are they? But within Anfield last night, you could definitely tell that the fans are massively interested in a piece of silverware. Yeah, and the players certainly are as well. You know, they showed that particularly in that second half. And I think, you know, it'd be unfair to say that they didn't show it in the first half because I feel like they did. It just sort of, as David mentioned there, you know, with Billy Cometio maybe at the back and Liverpool looked a little bit open. Joe Gomez hasn't played a lot of football and I think that showed early on. But yeah, it just switched on, didn't it? And the fans were like, yeah, we want this record ninth uh, league cup after obviously Man City are... We're out of the competition as well. They're on eight. Um, Pep Guardiola's made a, a big habit of winning the League Cup, which I think has fed them quite well in, in their pursuit of other silverware, particularly the league title. And I think it could do the same for Liverpool. It keeps you switched on and it keeps the players on the periphery of the squad switched on. You know, Nico Williams, who I've, I've written me piece about this morning, unlikely to get a lot of games. There he is filling in for, for Salah in the first half and then Trenton in the second you know it's it's players like that like Tyler Morton another opportunity for him to to show what he can do Jürgen said after the game he, he brought him off because of his his yellow card that he was on rather than you know his, his performance or anything so I think that boded well Connor Bradley as well you felt a little bit sorry for him getting brought off because I think just at the end of the first half he had that run didn't he and and shot and you know looked like he'd, he'd grew into the game himself so I think it's an important one for those players, for the fans, just to silverware is always nice. But I mean, 
a massive night for Takumi Minamino to have that moment. And then you thought he might just have the perfect night by stepping up and winning it for Liverpool on penalties. But you can't have it all, can you? And then, obviously, Diogo Jota, which I absolutely loved that about Diogo Jota. He gave the Leicester fans loads of stick when he scored the winning penalty. And I was watching back a clip of when Minamino scored and Jota runs and gets the ball out the net and then just like I think it's Albrighton or someone he just goes up to and has a sort of bit of a, a word in his ear goads him a little bit which I just kind of love that energy from Jota he's one of those players who's you know playing fantastically well for Liverpool but he's got that little edge to him that little bit of Suarez you know that kind of like feistiness which I think you know Liverpool lack for so long but they definitely have it with these players. I think there was a little bit of the crowd and the players being wound up by not just the Leicester players like Madison and their arrogance, but also the Leicester fans singing Feed the Scousers. And there was a little bit of a reaction to all that, David. Well, this is it, because when Madison hits that one for 3-1, and he's probably thinking, the Leicester fans probably think, wow, what a goal to win a cup tie at Anfield. And, you know, Varia scored the two early goals. It, it was all going swimmingly for them. It was a fantastic night. You know, the, the Ripple got it back to 2-1. Madison then sort of picks it ball. There's a little ro- lucky ricochet off Oxlade Chamberlain. But then he hits it. And it leaves a vapour trail. Like, although it's sort of almost at Keller, it's just that the power of it just sort of beats him really and goes over the top of him. And you can see at that moment inside their heads are thinking, well, what a goal to win, win the game at Anfield. And of course, that's just a red rag to a bull to sort of Liverpool and the fans as well. Because although it was the Carabao Cup and in some respects you could sort of see Liverpool fans process and say look the big priority Champions League Premier League got a very tough three games coming up now between Leeds, Leicester and Chelsea okay this one's maybe not going to go Liverpool's way you know you could sort of shrug it off as a sort of okay one you can accept out of all the other ones but then it was almost a case it became personal really it was a case of you're not going to come here and sort of carry on like that and pretend you're better than Liverpool when obviously they're not and then it was really that sort of case, really, where it's almost like, you know, you go and you see there's a lion in the zoo and you go and you poke it with a stick to see what happens. Well, it's going to bite your head off, isn't it? And that's sort of then what happened then. Klopp then made the changes at halftime and Liverpool come out in the second half and just really, really sort of were a far, far different team. Incredible recovery, keeper by these Leicester players. I, I thought on Sunday there was like 12 first-teamers unavailable. The, I thought the training ground was shut. And all of a sudden, it's like a first-team 11 by Leicester. I was absolutely baffled when I read their starting eleven. I was like, is this not their strongest starting eleven? I thought they'd been through all sorts and injuries because and, you can't almost keep track of every team. You know, when you're covering Liverpool, sometimes you just sort of do that and it's hard to sort of know what's going on. And with COVID and the situation, you know, loads of teams have been hit differently. So I was trying, struggling to think what have Leicester been through because I was thinking, I mean, that team was pretty strong and and that did show in that first half didn't it but Liverpool did well to sort of keep the tie alive a little bit because I thought you know Jamie Vardy hit the post I think that would have made it 4-1 his first half massive wasn't it David I think that moment sort of you know you felt like hmm Liverpool might have a little bit of luck here Vardy getting a hat-trick at Anfield in the first half would have been quite grim that didn't happen. I thought Kelleher was amazing as well. I mean, and throughout the game, obviously, he was the hero at the end there as well. But he was absolutely sensational. And, you know, when the defence looked as open as it did in that first half, he, he almost looked... You know, we, we spoke about him being Alisson-esque at times, and I feel like he was. He looks like he shouldn't offer that, like, but he does. You know, he, he's, he's there for you. And I thought he was great on the night. But, yeah, 
it was confusing to see Leicester's eleven uh, when that team sheet news came out. And I have to say, obviously, Billy Cometio found it tough. Joe Gomez was far from sort of as slick as we, we'd expect. But they were facing Jamie Vardy, who looked like he was absolutely on fire at the start. They were they were facing about, you know, as, as tough a selection as first-teamers as, you, as you're going to come up against, David. Yeah, it, it was a tough one, Steve, because you, you looked at the back four and you can sort of see club thing, well, Joe Gomez needs games. But it's almost like from a standing start sprint. And, you know, like Gomez has only made three, what, some appearances in the Premier League this season. It was only something like his fourth start in all competitions. And as you said, that back four will never play together again, probably, because it was so sort of... Chucked in really, and he's, he's you know a, a back four in particular. They need that chemistry, they need that understanding for each other. And you could just so see in the first half they were still sort of um, not sure we're going to push up to hang deep, where, you know where where we are. And of course, that's just like meeting like, Jamie Vardy must have licked his lips when he was sort of seeing that fourth thing. And I can get in behind these, I can run, you know, like he did, just little through balls, and I'll sort of you know take advantage of. It. And he sort of way did really. But as I say, fair, fair play to sort of Jurgen, like he sort of saw that, that okay. Although it's good to give these guys the experience and they will get more chances now because, of course, January is going to be probably a very big month for them. There's going to be the FA Cup tie against Shrewsbury. There's going to be this two-legged semi-final against Arsenal, potentially an FA Cup fourth round as well. So, so these guys will get more game time. It's just a question of using them correctly at the right moments, dipping them in and out, putting them in with the right sort of experience. See, for example, if, if maybe it had been, say, Kanati and Gomez or, or Kanati with Billy, that, that might have been a little bit better, but it's very hard to expect sort of Gomez to be the senior statesman that's organised that line when he himself is desperately struggling for, for match fitness, who's, uh, you know, his form hasn't been there. He's now been linked with possible move to Real Madrid and stuff. It's hard for him to sort of come in and be that sort of, you know, linchpin role, really. But, uh, you know, it's, you can see what Jurgen's trying to do. He's trying to sort of use all the squad. He's trying to develop these young players at the same time, knowing that he's going to need them really over the next sort of few weeks. Well, what was really impressive was that he didn't waste any time in changing things at half time. Obviously, made the changes Milner, Jota, Canate, replacing Bradley, Cometio, and, and Morton. Kiever, spot on tactically in terms of what he was thinking and, and how it played itself out. Yeah, he got, he got a spot on, as you say. And I think. Canate, we, we didn't mention after his, his recent game against Spurs, was just phenomenal. He just looks the player, doesn't he? I mean, he's got that Van Dijk moment in him where he sort of, the attacker looks as though they're getting one step ahead of him and then somehow he just plucks the ball out. And I think, you know, Liverpool fans are rightly getting very excited about his future. He's still very young, but almost feels like he'd be pushing Joel Matip for, for, for a starting place soon because his performances, you know, when he has been called upon this season, have been brilliant. Uh, maybe one or two shaky moments, but I thought he, he come on last night and just solidified it all, didn't he? And just made it look a lot better. You know, that's not to say Billy Cometio didn't play well. I think, you know, he was a little bit out of his depth at times with dealing with Jamie Vardy running at you. I thought Dakar had a great game in that first half for Leicester as well. And obviously Madison, we know he likes to cause a little bit of trouble in there as well. So, you know, I thought it was a difficult night for the young lads and especially Cometio. But yeah, Joe Gomez, I think, obviously with those those links to Real Madrid on the day, probably, you know, fans were sort of looking at his performance in maybe a little bit of a different way. And that first half, he didn't cover himself in glory, but I think he grew into the game, didn't he? Um, you know, my understanding is that, you know, those rumours are just sort of nonsense from a, a Liverpool viewpoint, whether Real Madrid are indeed tracking them. That remains to be seen. But, you know, Liverpool are definitely keen on, on keeping Joe Gomez around. That's for sure. And I think you can see why in instances last night, 
Um, but the lack of game time is just, it can just be difficult sometimes for players, can't it, to sort of find that rhythm and the mentality of it as well. You know, you, you're just sort of on the edge of the squad. You're pushing and training, but you're not starting. I think probably being a central defender at Liverpool is quite a difficult task when you've got players playing like Van Dijk and, and Joel Matip can and then Canate as well. So I think, you know, Gomez has just got to keep his head down now, hasn't he? And, and try and work his way back in. For such a long time, he was he was Van Dijk's main man, wasn't he there? So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and a lot better than it was last season because, you know, you've got defenders actually fighting for to play at centre-half rather than, you know, midfielders playing there. And someone else who's in a similar mould, as you say, maybe on the fringe of the squad and trying to get consistency in has is, is the Ox. And we've not really spoken on him much but there you go there's someone who looks like he's still got a chapter or two to write in his Liverpool career David at the moment he keeps getting written off but he's had quite a bit of game time in the past maybe six weeks and and once again he was at the heart of some of the best attacks surging forward tackling playing really well you're right because I think I was just reading something just the other week where it's basically saying oh, the Ox this is his time at Anfield's possibly coming to an end he's been linked with a move Back to Arsenal, he's got 18 months left in his contract. You know, nothing's else, nothing sort of happened yet. So, of course, you sort of traditionally get to that phase. Well, if, if you're not going to keep him, then you'd probably look to sell him this summer and get something for him, really. And, you know, they talked about Liverpool's three, and it was preferred three, and it was going to be like Henderson and Thiago Alcantara and, you know, Fabino and, you know, maybe Nurakaita coming in. And nobody really was talking about the Ox, really, but you sort of look in this last few weeks, and you're right, he's. Like when he first came and he had that spell and was at 2018, especially against like Manchester City, where he seemed to almost like score for fun against him. And you just thought, what a player. And of course, he gets that bad injury against Roman. And that was so unfortunate for him because he was out for so long. And of course, in the meantime, Liverpool kept progressing and, you know, won the league and stuff. They found it really hard to get back into to that midfield. But the last few weeks, he's been sort of putting in some, some storm performances. Of course, he got his great goal last night, his first goal of the season. And again, so this is all great for Klopp because he's looking at that that midfield that he knows he needs to change it. And of course he's has Henderson just come back from illness and Alcantara, you know, he's, he's been ill as well. And you need to change it round. It's great to have that option where you can bring the Ox in and you know you're bringing energy into the team, you're bringing dynamism and you're bringing goals now as well and work rate. And I say it's a tremendous asset to have because this period that Liverpool at the minute is up, I don't think, certainly off the top of my head, I can remember such a congested time, you know, because of this uh, League Cup quarter final as well, where they're playing literally every two or three days. And of course, you're then balancing that with the whole thing about, well, who's testing positive today? You know, from sort of last week, it was looking good for Liverpool. Suddenly you lose three or four players and it doesn't look so good, but the Premier League are making them sort of play on. So it's great that someone like the Ox is there and he knows, well, I can stick him in and he'll do a great job. He won't let me down. As you said, you, you wrote on Nico Williams and you wrote a little bit about what is his position and whether it's defined in the fact that it doesn't seem to be Kiva. So what is his future, Nico Williams? It is interesting, isn't it? Because during the Euros, there was, you know, the talk of him wanting to move away from Liverpool to get regular time playing football, which, you know, you can't blame him for. Having someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold in front of you must be so difficult because you're just thinking, well, I'm, I'm never getting a game here unless he's injured or, you know, but he it, it just seems to have obviously come into this season and it has been difficult for him as well. And what I don't really chat about in the pieces, Joe Gomez has been brought on to play it right back at times and, you know, that just m- must make him think, well, I'm even further down the pecking order. But, you know, he, he started last night on the right wing, which I think was a bit of an experiment from Klopp, who's, you know, seen a lot of um, 
his attack and output and been really impressed by it, probably, you know, more so in training and in games for Wales um, recently against Belgium. He, I think he, he played at right back, was but getting really far forward as, you know, Liverpool like the full backs to do. He's definitely in that Alexander Arnold mould of attacking and he showed that last night, but I do think, you know, filling in for Salah, who scored a ridiculous amount of goals this season, is always going to be a tough task. Um, it was sort of nice to watch something so rare as that, as, you know, Nico Williams playing um, where Mohamed Salah usually does. I thought he fared fairly well after the about 18 minutes in. I think he won a corner. Um, Liverpool already 2-0 down at this point, but it just seemed to be a moment that, you know, livened everyone up, including himself. And then obviously in the second half he moves to right back and I thought he actually was as offensive as he was in the first half but he felt a little bit more secure in his role with Jota and the likes of that ahead of him. I felt like he was more comfortable knowing that, well this is my job, I'm here to defend but also I'm here to sort of support the attackers rather than be the out-and-out attacker which I think he struggled a little bit to get to grips with in that first half. But the second half, I thought he was fantastic. Probably one of his, his best ever games for Liverpool. And you know, this is a player who's been abused online after playing for Liverpool and gone through ridiculous stuff like that. And, you know, he's always kept his head down and, and kept working. And I think he showed his quality last night, especially in that second half. And, you know, it's definitely Klopp was, was proud of his performance. Whether we'll see him again at right wing, who knows? Um, it's going to be an interesting one. But, I mean, he's a right-back who will, you know, is naturally a wing-back anyway. So, I think we'll see a lot more of him over there. But it's going to be interesting, isn't it, to see sort of where his future lies. Of Obviously, Connor Bradley, you know, Klopp said after the game about him, you know, he, he said he's a future Liverpool player. He, he'll play more for Liverpool. So, you know, where does that sort of put Nico then as well? So, it is difficult having such a good player in, in Trent Alexander-Arnold. You sort of having to maybe swap around players and, you know, move the positions to get them into the team. But I think, um, you know, he can be definitely proud of his performance last night because I think he was at the heart of, of most things good in that second half. Bit of a conundrum for the lad himself and for Klopp as well, but I suppose it's the brilliance of having, as Kiva says, Trent and, and Mo on one side. You're just not going to move them out of the way, are you? So it doesn't matter how well Nico plays. So that's that's a story to watch. What an end to the 90 minutes with Takumi's goal. Brilliant that we have no extra time, David, as well, that it goes straight to penalties. But at, at that moment, are you thinking, you know, Liverpool have psychologically got the edge here? They've definitely got this, and we talk about mentality monsters, they've definitely got an extra level that, that goes right across the squad, which makes them believe. Definitely, and you could you could sense that in the second half it was coming. It was coming like I don't think it was expected coming the ninety fifth minute, and it was sort of just a ball in by by Milner, really, wasn't it? Of course, that then Leicester make the defensive mistake. They don't deal with it. Ball breaks to minimum, and then a great finish. And of course, we're talking about playing Arsenal in the semi finals. Of course, we're so reminiscent of that bonkers five five against uh, Arsenal uh, two seasons ago when it was uh, Origi scored. In the, in the 90th minute to take it to, to penalties. Of course, they were pulling 5-4 in penalties then and they won in penalties again last night. And again, as I say, Steve, I think sometimes when, when you're the opposition and you're at Anfield, there's just that sense of inevitability, that sense of dread that they're going to score. They're going to score. It plays in your mind. You retreat further and further. You defend deeper and deeper. You invite pressure on. It almost becomes a fate to come play. And then Liverpool, we talk about the cops roaring them on, trying to score in that end. And it, it just is... You know, it just seems, well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen really anyway. And I said, it's a great psychological advantage to have. And, 
you know, we talked about you know, last season, Liverpool, of course, they lost it at Anfield, they those six defeats. It was just ridiculous, really. And we all knew it was because behind closed doors. But now, this season, they're successfully re-establishing that over at Anfield, where opposition teams come, no, they know it's going to be very, very difficult to get anything here. And either if you are 1-0 up or ahead, that they're going to peg you back, they're going to equalise, they're going to even win the tie or something like that there. And it's just a great, a great advantage, a great weapon to have in your armoury. When was the last penalty shootout, by the way? I couldn't remember. I was trying to think. What was the last one we had? Well, remember, there's nil-nil against Arsenal last season in the League Cup, and they lost that one at Anfield behind closed doors. Ah, 5-4. Right, right. So this is the whole right. thing. They're now playing Arsenal for the third successive season in the League Cup. <laughs> it's almost become an annual fixture. Liverpool will play them. Oh, Thank God. You. Right. So is it going to be one game or not, Kiva? What do we think? Because we know Jürgen wants one, but obviously there's two penciled in, isn't there, home and away. Will the pressure of the managers actually pay off here? You don't know with what's happened recently, maybe, but you know you do think with everything that's going on at the minute that they would sort of just go, right, let's play a one-off semi-final rather than two legs. I think it, it is still down to be two, but whether that changes, obviously the FA Cup are doing no replays, so it might follow a similar sort of line to that. Maybe we will see just a one-off leg, but obviously I think it's away first, isn't it? So... That'll be interesting, Liverpool going to the Emirates, maybe on a, a one-off affair. But, I mean, that would make it more exciting. I just think that that first leg is just can be just a bit dull sometimes because both teams know we don't have to win it just yet or we don't have to lose it. We can go to the second leg. That's great for the Champions League, but, you know, I'm thinking it's a League Cup. Maybe just one game would do us here. But, you know, over two, you'd fancy Liverpool, but... Again, Arsenal looked good, didn't they, in their match against Sunderland? So it'll be interesting to see, and probably a lot of a lot of young players on on either team. You'd imagine, with you know, the fixture list just being absolutely jam packed as ever. There's something a bit cruel about the fact that it is all youngsters until they get to that point, David, where all of a sudden you, you can sense touching a bit of silverware, and then the first team is a sort of wheeled in. But you know, I, I think Jurgen will give these guys, as I say, January's going to be a great opportunity for these younger players. And I think a few of them will, will again get a run out in these two games against Arsenal. It's funny, I've just done that semi final. I've often thought, Steve, the EFL are missing a trick here because if you cast your mind back to the, the days of the FA Cup semi final, it used to be a one off affair in a big neutral venue. And some of those games were as memorable as the FA Cup finals themselves. You know, you'd this game, for example, you could take it to Villa Park, you just play one game. It'd be a night match. Villa Park would be full. It'd be a real bouncing atmosphere about it, really. And it would be something special, as you say, instead of two legs, which neither manager really want. And, of course, we all know what the reason is. It's all about money. It's all about TV. Sky gets to show two games instead of one. And, unfortunately, because the football governing boys will always chase the cash, then there'll be no room for common sense. And what Jürgen says about, you know, why are we playing on the 26th and 20th? Why do you have to play two legs? It's just because of TV money. You know, unfortunately, that's the way it's going to be. But, you know, just to go back to your point, you're right. It is um, a bit of a sickening. You can be the, the, the person. Because I was looking, you know, at some of them have played all the way through. And, of course, they didn't get to the final. And he'll, he'll bring some, like, suddenly Mo Salah. Oh, I fancy the Caribou Cup, you know. <laughs> a little uh, little game at Wembley and stuff. They sort of wheel him out. But I think Jurgen will keep mixing the match as he's done. And, again, the, the secret of a great manager is when you can just sort of increase the quality of maybe just maybe one or two more first-teamers but still have some younger players because I think at the back of his mind he knows this is a great competition to blood these these kids to get them the experience that they can't necessarily give them in the in the Premier League really because they are competitive matches after all like it's one thing maybe playing them against say Milan in a dead Champions League rubber where it's all a bit mm, 
But, you know, stuff like this where these are, you know, do or die sort of fixtures to say it's great for the development. It gives him a look at what they can do. helps him make judgments on have they got a future at the club? Do they maybe need to look them up? Would they maybe be better having a career at, at, at another club, really? So uh, no, I, th- I think I think they'll still get their moments against Arsenal. And if you're Mo Salah, if you're Sadio Mane, you must crave the idea of playing at Wembley, Kiva. I think, you, you know, we do get caught up in the fact that it's the Premier League chase and, you know, it's winning the Champions League. But the bigger picture of all this, Liverpool have won, what, four pieces of silverware under Jurgen Klopp. But actually, given the esteem with which we hold this team in, you expect that they should have actually won far more. And if you're Mo, if you are Sadio, you want to play at Wembley, don't you? Absolutely. I think Jürgen Klopp's been criticised, hasn't he, for playing sort of weakened teams in the FA Cup and the League Cup over the over the years. But, you know, those players, you uh, go back to Man City, but you only have to look at their scenes and celebrations every year when they, you know, roll through and win the, the League Cup. The players are absolutely made up, you know, the posting on Instagram and going live on Instagram and Twitter and they're very excited about it. And, you know, it's a picture with silverware. It gives the fans a day out, which is great. But, you know, these are players hungry for silverware. They're hungry to win medals and to look back at the end of their career and say, you know, this is how many trophies are won. And even just for to, to win the League Cup with Liverpool, you know, if you're a young player... And, you know, that's all you do during your time at Liverpool. You know, no one can ever take that away from you. I think, like, coming back to what I said earlier, that winning mentality, isn't it? Winning trophies breeds winning trophies. And, you know, Liverpool should be be looking at at doing that in the League Cup. Obviously, it's going to be a, a difficult task, you know, over two legs against Arsenal. But I just think then, you know, it, get, it spares them on a little bit in the league especially you know if you, you've just won the league cup and then you I don't know who the fixture is after that but you must just be absolutely buzzing for the next game thinking you know the next trophy we could win could be the FA Cup the Champions League the Premier League it just gives them that little taste doesn't it and I think you know that's really important and um, for, for players like Salah, Mane and, and the rest of them. It can be a great platform. We've seen it in, in previous years. Man City have done that. You, you go back to 2001, Liverpool use it as the platform for the treble, David. Definitely. I'm even just thinking about like, Keith was chatting there. I think, you know, um, you know, when Jose was winning everything at Chelsea, his first trophy was a League Cup. You know, when Fergie had a second coming at Manchester United with that team, they won that League Cup in 2006 when people were thinking, oh, United are sort of finished. Of course, they went on to win three successive Premier Leagues. And you're right. A trophy's a trophy. It's funny, you know, if you're an old. If you don't get like me, you remember the early 80s. You remember Liverpool winning four League Cups back-to-back. And that was a time yeah. when they didn't do anything in the FA Cup. It was one of those really weird situations. Liverpool were the best team in land, but they couldn't win the FA Cup under Bob Paisley and then Joe Fagan. And yet, the League Cup was almost like taken for granted. They would win it every year. And it's funny when you sort of see they'd won, it stood out for a long time as the eight-time winners, the you know, most successful team in the competition. And then, as you say, in the last sort of few years, City have just gone bonkers. They've won six uh, since 2014, all of a sudden they're sitting on eight as well. And I think if you're a Liverpool fan, you look at that a little bit, and you think, hold on a minute, the League Cups are a competition, you know, like, you know, it's always been the one that Liverpool have won. So you're sort of thinking, you know, Man City, let's put you back in your box a little bit, you know, they're knocked out of it. And I think it's a great opportunity for Liverpool to go on and sort of win it. Uh, you're right, Steve, you make a very good point about this team should have won more. And of course, Jurgen's argument for that is always, well, look, you know, it's so hard to win the Premier League because it is the toughest, most competitive league in the world. So that takes a heck of a lot of energy and commitment itself. Then you've got the Champions League, which obviously Liverpool like to think they can do well. And he says, but time I've focused and prioritised those two, two competitions. He says, um, I don't really have 
a squad of Manchester City or Chelsea to be able to have a really good go in the FA Cup and League Cup as well. So, of course, something's got to go. So he focuses on the Premier League and the Champions League and then whatever happens in the two cups happens in the two cups. But I think it's great that Liverpool have got through to the semi-final because certainly you can sense that excitement among the fans because Liverpool's built on winning trophies and they say it doesn't matter whether it's an FA Cup, a League Cup, a a Super Cup, a Club World Cup, a Champions League. It's built on winning trophies. They are the most successful team in English football history. And, you know, if, if, if this if, say if this season ends up Liverpool finished, say, second in the Premier League and maybe, you know, semi-finals of the Champions League and they, they won the League Cup, that's a success. That is a trophy on the cabinet. You know, whereas compared to, say, if they, they do have a good run in the, in the league and finish second and, say, do get to Champions League semi-finals and that's it, you'd sort of be thinking... That's a bit of a sort of a nearly season, really, where they almost did it. But, you know, a, a trophy makes the season a success. And I think there's a wonderful opportunity for Liverpool to go on and win something here. Guys, you've been absolutely brilliant. Keith, you've only had a couple of hours sleep. So thank you very much uh, indeed. And David Anderson as well. Great to have you on the uh, the Red Agenda. Thank you for listening uh, to it throughout the course um, of the year. We very much appreciate you giving us some feedback and listening along to the Red Agenda. Uh, Have a very Merry Christmas wherever you are and we'll see you when we're back in 2022.